0: Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal, and we'll get it answered on the show.
1: You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Catherine Taylor.
2: Oh, recording in progress. That's the professional <laughs> new Zoom announcement.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if everybody else hears it. If you're listening to this, you have to tell us if you heard that. Yeah. That,
2: I wonder. We just had a really weird start to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're both a little rusty. So We're very rusty. I mean, but can, how excited were you when you woke up this morning and saw that we were recording today? I was pretty excited because we've barely even talked in the last, what has it been? Four weeks.
1: It's been four four
2: plus weeks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, we didn't mean to take this long of a break.
2: (laughs) Well, we, I don't, I mean, I needed it not from you, but, or from this, but from just kind of responsibility in general, I needed to hit the big old fat reset button. Yeah. uh, yeah. And, uh, I'm really, really proud of myself for my last three weeks. Yeah. Cause you've been mostly down in Patagonia where it's been hot as balls. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, yeah, I mean, the first two weeks were really like overwhelmingly ridiculous. Um, and I got sick, which was also really awful when it was that miserably hot. Um, and it, it was unseasonably, hot and um that doesn't typically happen down there and there's no air conditioning down there so that adds to that mix um when it's like that so uh we ended up getting a little portable ac for our bedroom at least so we could sleep because it was pretty pretty hot wait there's no air conditioning in patagonia arizona by the well i mean places have some of it but it's not like it's not it's typical to not have it because a lot of like the houses we own down there are all like there's those straw bale and then there's this one's rammed earth and they really do a great job of keeping cool and keeping warm. Yeah, because um, are they all tiled floors and stuff? Tile floors, all that stuff, and but when it's 115 outside, um, <laughs> it just doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of where it was, but it it, it, it cooled off and then. And the other great thing is that you could get out and exercise every morning, as long as you were out the door by 5.30 or 6.00 AM, you could be back by 10, 30, and you were fine because it cools off that much at night. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was kind of funny. I was sitting there having coffee one morning with Tim and I was like, it's literally chilly enough that I had on my long sleeve girls gone gravel hoodie. And I was like, what's so funny. Yeah, I know you're wearing yours, but what's so funny is like, I was like lip. Literally in six hours, I'm going to want to be standing in the middle of the bedroom naked, it's so hot, <laughs> you know, <I'm> yeah. like, <laughs> the swings are incredible, but so yeah. how was your? You like, you literally moved across the country since we last talked.
1: Yeah. I got back from Kansas
2: and I had,
1: uh, six days to finish packing my house and move out, closed on my house. Stay with my parents for a few days. And then I started traveling across the country. So I went um, Atlanta to Arkansas. There's something fun coming to Arkansas. I'm sure. I'll just hint at. staying in Arkansas a few days. I met some of the women of Oz, which was really fantastic. And I hung out with Amy Ross. Then I went to Boulder, Colorado, uh, where I we have an event for Feisty there in September. So I set that event up. Hung out with Erin Carson, which some people may know. Um, she's the strength coach. She's really yeah. into gravel right now. Um, and she's working on a gravel strength program, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then uh rode with one of my friends. And then I saw the weather and all of the country. And I was like, hmm, I am a friend in Breckenridge. I think I'm gonna go to Breckenridge for four days. Nice. <laughs> So I went up to Breckenridge for four days. We also had uh, somebody on our team. uh, I was going on maternity leave and she had her baby um, a few days early, uh, about a week before we thought she was going to have the baby. So everything wasn't quite transitioned and I just needed a few days to work. So it was fantastic. I like was on one of those little ski and ski out condos on the ski slope. So every morning I would take Belle and we would go for like a hike. We saw a giant moose one day it was 46 degrees in the morning. Nice. The rest of the team with feisty was up in Penticton for a, a team event, which I couldn't get to, cause I couldn't get to Canada. And they were like, it's 45 degrees, which that's what that was Celsius. So it was like 115. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, it's 45 degrees here too. <laughs> different <laughs> different metric. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I, booked it across the country I was gonna hang out with Casey Armstrong in Salt Lake City but she got a flat tire and had to uh was running very very late and I was like I gotta go to bed um so, so yeah now I am in um the Tacoma Washington area want to go back to Colorado <laughs> well we'll see you there I know I'm really excited about that so I've had a
2: lot go on
1: In the last month,
2: (laughs) no, I I feel like maybe our opening podcast should just be us catching everybody else on our (laughs) line. Probably like really bored. You
0: guys are just like, (laughs)
2: what? What have
1: you been doing? Um, but I did, I did want to ask you because we haven't really talked since Unbound. Like, what did you think? What did you think of this year's Unbound, the inaugural
2: Unbound event? Um, I thought it was absolutely fabulous. So, yeah, yeah, Yeah. Um, it was a big, huge weight off my shoulders that I, I knew I was carrying. Um, I just didn't know how much it was affecting me, but, um, I thought the team, uh, really came together and pulled off an amazing event. And I thought the athletes were stoked to be there and had a great time. And it was fun having you and Claire, there, running around with your microphones, interviewing people and. Um, I thought that went well. I, I just really think, you know, there were some leftover like COVID protocols that were still in place that provided some extra challenges to the team. So I'm glad that those get to go away now, fingers crossed. Um, but nonetheless, I really was more than thrilled with, uh, Unbound Gravel 2021.
1: Yeah. What'd you it think? All, it was obviously my first time there and I've, Race a big uh, some big events and you know another big race company, uh, in the triathlon space and I was just blown away. Like I loved it. I loved just the whole feel of it. Like I think there's a very sweet balance of the the things that you get with a large company mm-hmm. like Lifetime that can come in and um just some of the 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 things that they're able to provide that make a race run really smoothly, but it just had like a local race feel yeah. like small town community. And, uh, this was this this is the story that I've been telling everybody is I, I have a friend that I started doing triathlon with years ago when I moved to Atlanta and I talked to her, I suggested that she ride the 200 and she applied and she got in. So we actually ended up staying in the same house. And, um, I was at the finish line when she crossed probably about 10 o'clock at night. And she, you know, she's been to Kona three times. She's very, very good athlete. <laughs> she's like, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. So I saw, I knew she wasn't like, she was struggling a little bit when she crossed the finish line. Um, like she, I could tell like, um, she's having trouble getting off her bike. Well, the race director, I forgot his name now. Ben Sachs. Ben Sachs was the one that was at the finish line with her. Although I did make you go give her a hug, but um, Ben was at the finish line with her and he gave her like, I thought I'm giving her some, you know, drink. And then I saw him help her off her bike and I saw him walk her to her husband. And the next morning we were talking and um, we were talking about that. And I said, Oh, yeah, I thought you were struggling. And I go, You know who that was? Right. And she said, No, I said, she said, that volunteer. And I said, That was the race director. And she was just blown away. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> I would like, the, the, I was like, Yeah, the whole Lifetime team was down there. I mean, I left close to midnight. So the whole lifetime team was down there until the last person came in giving out awards and stuff. And like, it's not this, Ironman events are great, but it's just a different, it feels more corporate, right? So, so I thought it was
2: really fun. You know, um, I think one of my favorite stories from the weekend was we had a, a whole team there doing a lot of the social for the weekend. Um, you know, and a lot of them had never been to Emporia and they literally were in headquarters office, just like sitting there, keeping track of where writers were and relaying the stories on social and just crushing it. Um, and at midnight, Michelle finally was like, okay, guys, we got it from here, go home, take a nap. And I go, you guys, you should come over to the finish line for a little bit. Um, and so they, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to see the finish line. So they came over to the finish line. This was at midnight and they had been at it since four in the morning. And, um, I was standing there, you know, handing, giving me out the lanyards and getting people across and greeting them and congratulating them. And I was, they were all saying they're ringing their cowbells, excited to watch this. And I looked over at one of them and I said, do you, do you want to give out some lanyards? And, you know, they were like, can we, I'm like, hell yeah. And Watching them get to welcome these riders back to Emporia was so special because they had such an attachment to the event and to what these athletes were taking on at the time. They wanted to cheer them on. And one of our head, the, one, the woman that does all of our newsletters, Tiffany Clemens was like, had she was tracking a rider on the 350. And the cutoff time was coming up at 3 a.m. And she shows me her phone and she's like, is this writer, what, what happens if he doesn't get here at 3.00 AM? And I'm like, well, he gets a DNF and she's like, well, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, if he, he has a cutoff, we have a cutoff. He can still finish and, and have that for himself, but he he'll be a DNF in our records. And she's like, oh my gosh. And so she literally was invested in this writer and was standing there waiting for him to come in. Didn't know him from Adam, you know? Um, and when he, you know, his, his, track leader finally updated. And she's like, she shows it to me. She's like, is he going to make it? I'm like, Oh yeah, he's, he's going to make it unless something crazy happens. And when that guy crossed the finish line, she was standing there with his lanyard and she was like jumping up and down. And I'm sure this guy has been on his bike for 36 hours. I'm sure he's like, who's this crazy lady. (laughs) that I've never seen before. Yeah. But she was just like, you
1: did it. You did it.
2: That's awesome. I just, I just loved that our team was just, was there. They got it. That's pretty good.
1: Well, I went back and, you know, I had a last ride with some women in the community in Atlanta and there's uh, a whole group that's thinking about coming next year. And, (gasps) um, you know, I think like a lot of times when we like to go with our friends and there's so many options, you know, like one was like, Oh, I have, I ride an e-bike. I'm going to do the 25. And then another was like, I just really love supporting people. Like I want to come be support crew. Oh yeah. You know, a couple of people were like, um, I'm going to do the hundred. And then we all threw our friend Karen under the bus to do the 200, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, but at first she was like, I'm not, no, I would just, and then we had beers right before I left. And she goes, I think I'm going to apply for the 200. I was like, I knew you would. She's like, why am I going to all the way to Emporia if I don't do the 200? Exactly. She's like a bit big endurance
0: person. So.
1: Um, yeah, so she, she just, she would be disappointed if she went and didn't do the Twitter, but I think most of our crew is like looking at the 50 or the, the hundred and being there for the experience. That's awesome.
2: Well, speaking of women doing the event, yes.
1: Whitney Allison, <laughs> we are finally getting to our interview.
2: <laughs> yeah. Whitney Allison is our guest today. And, uh, I, I met her, um, at the finish line and then again at the award ceremony and just found her to be gracious and humble and, um, felt like she'd be a good guest for the podcast. So,
1: yeah. And she was a fourth place finisher.
2: Yes. Yep. I think that fourth place finisher. So, um,
1: it is a really fun interview with Whitney and hearing her kind of her backstory and some
2: things about, um, yeah, what she's experienced in the last few years. So yeah. I think and definitely really make sure it. you uh, check out her social when you finish up the interview, because she's got some yeah. good stuff going on. So. yeah.
1: All right, we'll we'll get on to our interview with Whitney Allison. Christy, do you know one thing that I'm really sick of? What is that? All the freaking trends that are coming out in wellness. Like, Ethan, avoid that.
2: I don't even know where to start. uh, Yeah, I don't know where to start. I don't know who to trust. Yeah, but we
1: have a new sponsor that I'm pretty excited about. Have you you done your setup? Yeah, I'm so stoked. Yeah. So, Inside Tracker is our new sponsor, and they're gonna cut through all the noise, and they're gonna analyze our blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers, and then we get personalized, science-backed trackable action plans
2: for how we should eat, age, we need that, and perform better. I know, I'm excited. It's the cool thing about it is it's it's cheaper and it's way more convenient than the traditional blood tests. Um, they include biomarkers that are key to performance. So, so information that we're not getting from traditional blood tests. Um, and I think my favorite part is that they're not just going to give us the data, but they're providing us with nutrition and lifestyle tips to help us take action and cut through the noise.
1: Yes. I love that. Cause I feel like whenever I go to the doctor and I get blood tests, I have no idea what to do with them. Right. Exactly. Yep. And I don't, they don't apply to like whatever I'm doing. Um, and the good news is because they are a sponsor of the podcast, all of you all get 25% off their entire store. You just go yes. to com slash girls gone gravel.
2: Change is an inside job. Start on the inside. We are really excited to be with uh, somebody
1: that I'm kind of bummed that I didn't see on my road trip out to Washington because I was really close to her, but we have with us Whitney Allison today. Whitney. Hi.
2: Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So I didn't so you're- hear that. Where, where, Whitney, where are you? Where are you, do you live? Where are you from? Catherine was so close.
3: <laughs> I live in Fort Collins, Colorado, and I've been here for just about 12 years. Um, for all of you people not in Colorado, that is about 45 minutes north of Boulder, an hour north of Denver. We're kind of the last larger city before Wyoming. Oh, Nice. It
1: literally is. Cause I spent a bunch of summers in Port Collins and we would always like go up to Wyoming to the rodeo, which was kind of the fun things to do, but there was nothing, like there's nothing, there's literally nothing.
3: There's a lot of good gravel. Let me tell you.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I, so I only rode like in the Boulder area when I was out there. Um,
3: I was like, this gravel is so
1: beautiful out here. It's just like amazing.
3: Yeah, and there's even like gravel without Strava segments,
2: if you can believe that. So, <laughs> wow, not that's gonna the tell new you where that is.
0: <laughs>
2: <Right>? <laughs> Don't go creating them;
1: <laughs> you'll never find it. That's actually where I started riding bikes. Um, was in the Fort Collins area. Like I was taking some classes at Colorado State and uh, some summer stuff, and. I would ride my bike to class, so I had, like, my Walmart commuter bike that I thought was really fancy, because I had spent, like, $150 on it, and then I would ride those trails, like, not the mountain bike trails, just
0: the trail trails
1: around Fort Collins, like, the bike path um,
3: every day for exercise, and it was just so fun and so pretty. Um, Yeah, there's, like, it's world-class, like, bike infrastructure in Fort Collins. It's been, like, a major part of the city plan Um, Oh cool. I'm on like the Bicycle Advisory Committee to the city of Fort Collins, and it's just really cool that they have a lot of budget and infrastructure money, like all set aside to try to make cycling and other alternative transportation, like accessible to everybody, no matter where they live, whether they're like in a fancy neighborhood or if they're in a lower income neighborhood. So it's like really cool that that is a part of like the master plan of the city and you can really see it. Are the trails? Definitely. Do they get used a lot? Yeah, they're they can be quite busy during that's rush hour. Awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's I'm figuring out where I want to live, and I'm like, where can I live that I can bike <laughs> more places that I have to drive? Yeah. It's not where I'm staying right now, but anyway. But so we want to hear your story. Tell us all about how you got into cycling, and you're you were just telling us you transitioned from professional road racing to gravel cycling. Um, so I'm not going to spoil any of the story cause we want to hear it straight from you.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I found cycling after high school, um, entering UT Austin as a freshman. I thought I was going to do triathlon. I don't know why, um, <laughs> but like there wasn't a tri team the year that I got there. And so I ended up just like on a group ride and like immediately got dropped, like within a hundred meters And some guy like stayed back and rode with me and, you know, women are worth a lot of points in the collegiate system. So they really made sure I was very well taken care of. And it was like, just such a cool experience of just being like having people like kind of teach you the ropes and all that sort of stuff. That's just so essential when you're starting out. Um, And so kind of did that all through college. And then eventually 2013, landed a pro contract with Colavita, um, and left that program with the UCI program went away in 2017 and then 2018 and 2019, I was on Hoggins Bourbon Supermint, which then also folded. Um, there's a theme here. <laughs> and so after 2019. It's like, I'm going to go do gravel because I've been kind of watching all these races happening and it just never worked out with the road schedule, you know, to like train for a stage race, but then like also have like, you know, unbound, for example, on the schedule It's just not really possible. So 2020 was my big transition year. Um, and then obviously that didn't get to happen with the pandemic um, and then going backwards a little bit. um. 2018 I was also hit by a driver with an Airstream so during this time I'm also like in litigation um, preparing to like go to trial in 2020 off social media for over two years not able to represent myself as an athlete in any capacity um, even though I'm like fighting to recover you know fighting to get results so it ended up being like hard as an athlete from a performance standpoint but then also really hard because the modern day cyclist also has such an online component to it. Um, So 2020 was my big year where I was going to go to trial, you know, be able to represent myself as a person, get to race gravel. And then obviously the pandemic hit. And so I'm just kind of stuck in this very small world (laughs) um, all by myself, um, But all things end and during the pandemic year, um, I was able to settle outside of court, which is great. So then I'd be able, I was able to start using my voice. Um, and then, you know, there still wasn't racing yet. So obviously I didn't get to show people that I could be relevant in gravel yet. Mm -hmm. Um, but I got all my ducks in a row and 2020 finally rolled around, got my vaccine and, you know, got to start racing, you know, in I guess March. So I did Pony Express and won. I did Co-To-It and Fruta and won. And then I went to Unbound and had a whole lot of mechanicals and (laughs) some other drama and 47 minutes of very dramatic stoppage time. But I crawled back to the podium. So that's so impressive. Well, under my way way of showing that, you know, I, I am relevant here. So I don't know. It's been, it was a very hard time during 2020 kind of dealing with that. But then also knowing like, you know, I had a roof over my head and I still had employment and all that sort of stuff, but it was still a very hard situation to be in.
2: How did kind of like listening to your story, how did the invite from Colavita come? Had they just been watching you and then? <laughs> um, it's
3: actually pretty funny. Um, so I was at Super Week which at that time was like 7 or 8 criteriums all in the southeast. It's kind of like changed through the, through the years. And I showed up there and I was just an absolute thorn in uh Lindsey Goldman's side. She had just signed with them that year and I remember her like yelling at me being like, "Can you please stop attacking?" And then afterwards they had a rider who had become pregnant so they had like an opening and so they they picked me up at that time so it was like right after the first race of the season but her and I are still friends she got over that I love (laughs) that
2: can you please stop attacking (laughs) it pays to be aggressive sometimes (laughs) yeah
1: and then uh tell us more about this um crash with the airstream.
3: Like what happened there? Um so it was about a week before Colorado Classic and I was on a ride with my teammate at the time, Harriet Owen, former teammate Jillian Elsie, and my one of my roommates at the time, Travis Furman. And we're in the shoulder and we take the lane to turn left onto the bike path. And there was a driver who was speeding on the road um, passed over the double yellow, like the road curves. So he's speeding and we can't hear him because it's, you know, coming from around a bend, um, passes us over the double yellow with low visibility. And then of course there's an oncoming car. And so, you know, during this time, it's like, I was able to stop turning left and I was able to straighten up and not crash everybody because I was in that front left position, but he came back over into our lane because there was an oncoming car. And so I was punted by the front right corner of the Airstream. So (laughs) I'm very grateful to have like race experience where you kind of have those instincts of like crash avoidance, but then also crash avoidance enough to not, you know, injure everybody else. Cause that could have been so messy with just a trailer and lots of wheels and, you know, they're 10,000 pounds when they're empty. Like that's a lot of force going to your body. Yeah, you so everybody else was okay. Yeah, yeah. Everybody else was okay. Besides like being totally shaken up and like scared for a while. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. Like the effects it has on your body for so long. Like I ended up getting diagnosed with PTSD about two months after, like it was just so hard for my body to like go back out on the road I would have like lightning bolts through my body whenever something surprising would happen. Um, And that could be anything. It could be a deer. It could be um, a loud car noise. It could be a car passing another car. Just anything that was surprising in that moment. Um, And then the other aspect that I really struggled with that was PTSD related was the driver admitted to seeing me, seeing me signal, and then still made those decisions, which really endangered my life and endi- endangered everybody else's life and I think because I'm such an empathetic person that I couldn't I couldn't understand how this could be. So I went through a EMDR program and I would highly recommend you know if you're struggling like if you have gotten hit or had something like that happen, um, I would highly recommend like seeking help it helps a ton just helping your brain, process process it understand what
2: happened to you so he really he saw you like yes good Lord and yeah. then you
1: just had to stay off social media and not talk about it because there was a lawsuit in the work, right. right
3: yeah I worked with Megan Hotman yeah. um, she specializes in these cases and like unfortunately just the industry around insurance and social media is no it's just not good like they will use anything anything like any semblance of happiness or success against you even though it doesn't make any rational sense like a body versus a ten pound trailer the body is going to have injury like that's just that's just going to happen and it doesn't matter if somebody smiles on social media they probably still have pain. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I have a friend that was hit in Boulder in the Boulder area and she now has a, um, an advocacy, I guess advocacy group called, um, pass them. Like, no, that's not the name of it. Um, it's escaping my brain right now. Pass them like you love a Georgia based one, but she had told me like, you want to secure your data. Don't upload things to Strava. Like don't, don't let anybody see your bike computer. Um, because you have to protect they'll use that stuff against you as well
3: yeah and I mean it was tricky because I started competing because that happened in the fall of 2018 and then I started competing in March and I I mean I fought so hard to come back and you know I ended up on the podium at um I can't think of the name right now Valley of the Sun I think is the early season March race and so it's (laughs) you know, you're getting a podium spot and you're like, wow, I fought so hard to be here. And then you're like, what is, what is state farm going to think? Yeah. It's disgusting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But I got through it. Good job. Seriously. That's yeah. And I'm sure there's people listening that, you know, that whole concept of asking and getting help when you need it is and Megan is from everything I see and can tell is phenomenal at at her job. Um, what (laughs) the disgusting part is just literally, um, how hard she's got to fight when you're talking about that, like your body versus a 10,000 pound trailer. It doesn't seem like it should be much of a fight to, to get the right result. It kind of seems like a no brainer, but
3: And I'm not envious of like Megan in that industry. Like it has to be extremely exhausting to go advocate time and time again and know what happens to these people. and know in a lot of cases, like you end up settling, which means that you're coming down from maybe an ideal like settlement, like that has to be really hard because you want to get everything for that person because you understand what they've gone through and what they're gonna to continue to go through.
2: Well, and Megan being a cyclist herself, I can't imagine continually representing people and then going out and riding on these roads. Like we actually should have her as a guest, Catherine. That's a good idea. That should be a good guest. Cause yeah.
1: I think there are a lot of people that have gone to gravel that have had crashes yeah. or that like you still end up crossing a lot of highways and it's not there, there's still some danger there. But I mean, I know when I crashed and it was with a person (laughs) but they were not paying attention and they were in the middle of the road on a skateboard listening to music and like veered into my path in the last second as I was coming down the hill really fast it wiped out my savings like my entire pretty much my entire savings account um paying for the medical bills and stuff like that um and you know like then you go into situations where like well my you know there's my savings account is gone and um like do I have a backup if something happens with my job or something happens here so it is very stressful it's not just the stress of like recovering from the incident it's like everything else around it yeah
2: well (laughs) yeah
1: and And like in
3: my case too it was like going through like I went all the way through like deposition and like it's crazy like the questions that they ask you essentially like well, could you have maybe not ridden there that day? And it's like, well, could maybe he not have driven there that day? You know, it's just like, so re-traumatizing. It's almost like equivalent to the
2: injury. I would have been one snarky (laughs) bitch to answer those (laughs) questions.
0: There's no way I would have gotten
3: through that. (laughs) I got in a couple zingers, okay? But not a lot,
2: because they (laughs)
3: it's like in trials,
2: um, so you got to be careful. Be professional.
3: <laughs> Megan's probably over there going, <laughs> not <won't>
1: say that." <laughs> but I,
3: it's <laughs> also like
1: to the point where we've we've just seen, you know, we were at um, Unbound covering that, and um, just seeing, you know, not at Unbound, but within the media around, like it's already harder for women to get coverage, and then when you can't represent yourself. <laughs> um when you're trying to race at that level it's really it makes it really challenging
3: to like ah, have your career yeah. how do you pitch sponsors <laughs> yeah
1: yeah you can't like There, the value is like how much you can share your story and what you're doing for the yeah. community and you're like I can't talk about anything yeah well you have made a big comeback um so and that's exciting. So I wanna hear you've got some other stuff that's going on. Um you have a company called um bike sports. Bike
3: uh, sports company. <laughs> yeah, you gotta say it with a little bit more enthusiasm, like bike
1: sports. Bike sports. sports. Yeah. Bike sports. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at your Instagram just to make sure I said it right and I was like, oh shoot, there's like four other things before that. <laughs> so <laughs> um but uh bike sports uh so tell us about that it looks really fascinating. It looks like you do bike fit and event, bike fits and events and um all
3: kinds of awesome stuff. Yeah, so it's my husband and I run that company and we are um I guess chronic entrepreneurs you could say at this point. Um we've been doing that entrepreneur stuff for like we've been together for 12 years and we've probably done it for the last 10 oopsies. Um, so bike sports is our gravel racing program, which also does a lot of work, like in our community, like getting people excited about bikes, like helping them like find routes in our region and helping them stay on the bikes. So they don't just buy the bikes and let them collect dust in the garage, but they're actually like getting excited about adventuring in our region, Um, and then we run multi-day tourist camps that we call gravel Graceland, which I'm sure at some point we'll get sued over that, (laughs) name. but until then I'm going to milk it. Um, and those are like three adventure days, all based out of Fort Collins. And then we, um, integrate very Fort Collins things in there, whether it's like a tour at iconic new Belgium brewing or, Dining at another local restaurant like Social or Rio Grande, which is also a big part of the cycling community. Um, and then on top of that, Foco Fondo is also under that brand, um, which is our one day gravel event from New Belgium coming up on July 25th. And then Zach also has a bike fit studio that's in Old Town that runs under the same banner. So it's quite a, it's quite a lot, all things bikes, but it's super fun and every day is super different.
2: I gotta look at July twenty fifth. Why? I think I might have to come out. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, you
3: should. Let me know. You
1: could just stay in Colorado <laughs> through, through Steamboat. I
3: don't, I
1: don't so tell know. tell us about the event. Uh, yeah, let's hear about it. It's going to be fantastic.
3: Yeah. So this is our um, we're calling it Year Five, Take Two. It's been super grassroots. Like kind of started like you know, in the early days of gravel and people would come back from the ride and be like so pissed off. They'd be like, that's the longest 50 mile route I've ever done. It took so long and blah blah blah. They'd like totally whine about the event. And now people like wear the challenge with you know it's like a badge of honor. Um which I think is cool. Like we've seen that go across the industry which is like why so many people are registering for gravel events they now see that as like a cool thing to have a challenge instead of a bad thing Um, so we have four routes now Um, the 107 bite the bullet challenge is kind of like our iconic event and then we have a 50 mile route that's also very popular the 25 mile route that's kind of like a very good intro to gravel and then a 12 mile route that um, benefits Safe Routes to School, which is a local program here. It is nationwide, but locally at least, um, we help fund these after-school bike clubs, which is kind of like if somebody maybe couldn't afford to join a soccer team or baseball team or couldn't get out there um, to those practices and stuff, they can join these after-school bike clubs that are offered at certain schools in our area And they just take the kids out on really cool bike rides, you know, multiple times a week for the semester. And then it like culminates with like a really special, cool ride in town. So it's a really cool partnership. It just helps bring more families in and kids are free to ride and teens are half price. So really focused on like accessibility, have like a volunteer program where you can like earn your entry if you can't afford it. And just, we want to see as many people out there and meeting new people in their community as possible. Awesome. I love that. What
1: what percentage is like locals versus people coming in? I mean, I would consider local kind of anywhere in like the Denver kind of those with like a couple hour drive.
3: Yeah, if you include Denver, it's probably closer to like 60 or 70 front range versus out of state i would say so there's about like 5 million people on the front range yeah, i believe
2: it, the front range <laughs> is huge yeah, yeah. your own country <laughs> <laughs> so, so big yeah um, i've been watching your instagram it's just been really fun to watch what you guys are doing out there and been seeing what you're you're making your bolos Oh yeah. That's a Zach project. My husband, yeah. I like to call him Joanne, but he does
3: like um, a <laughs> lot of crafts. <laughs> I do Wait. not really do much of the bowler ties. <laughs> that's, <awesome. laughs>
1: that's amazing. And then um, what about these other gravel experiences? Cause they sound really fun too.
3: They are really fun. We have two more left this year, um, September 3rd to 5th and October 22nd to 24th, I believe. Um, we had one in May. And so this year we also offered five BIPOC spots for those. So we had everybody come in May, of course, because it's like the beginning and a great like training block, you know, before unbound, et cetera. Um, So that was super fun and we just do like a big variety of rides in this area and we kind of keep the routes a secret now because it also allows us to kind of adapt the routes a little bit better. So like September is going to be really warm Mm -hmm. so we can do like a lot of the really cool stuff up in the red feather area, but then also adapt the routes because there's also a lot of camping up there so we can go find some stuff that's like off the beaten path. Um, and I mean, you have to like, come to like, see how amazing this riding is. It's so hard to describe. It's like you're on Mars some of the time. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. It's so beautiful.
2: How many people typically go on those? Um, about a dozen. So they're pretty small and intimate
3: and if we need to scale up, we will, but I mean our focus is on people having an absolutely ridiculous time.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, Who does the thing? <laughs> and, like we we have like the best sag person? Um she's a badass mechanic and does all of our events on a fat bike. And yeah, she's great, Lauren.
2: Dang, that sounds fun too. And did people <laughs>
1: camp overnight or do you come back to Fort Collins? For the Fort night? Collins home base. <laughs> 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 <So> Christy's <laughs> like, Catherine's not going unless you get to go to a hotel. Catherine's
2: not going unless she gets a bed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's my kind of bike packing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you go to a bed. <laughs> I am in awe of people that do like hardcore bike packing, But I I do like sleeping on bed. <laughs> I guess I, a third point in your life where you're like,
2: mm, I just, I, I think it's become like, it, like, uh, you know, I, I got a whoop that I've been using for about three months and like, wow, I literally don't sleep. And I'm like, there's, there's, if I added sleeping on the ground into that mix, yeah, I, I would be worthless. So it's
1: not just the sleeping on the ground. It's the small amount of things that you can take to sleep on a, on the ground, on a bike. Right. Cause actually camping is supposed to be really good to help you like reset your circadian rhythms. But that would mean like, I would need to bring my air mattress and blow it up in my car. <laughs> I <mind laughs> I used to not be, I used to go backpacking in the summer in Colorado, but I was in my twenties then and I was dumb or more fun. You weren't dumb. That
2: was fun. So yeah,
1: good stuff. I I had a higher tolerance for hard ground. <laughs> <laughs> and not sleeping. I also did a lot of dumb things, though. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what um what other events do you have on your gravel calendar for the for 2021? I mean, you've had a big year already. Yeah. That's awesome. <clears throat> um
3: I am doing BWR California, which oh, is the week before my fondo. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna oh, say, isn't that, that, that right? sounds like <laughs> a good idea? <laughs> so that's a tremendous amount of energy. Otherwise, like I would have gone to Crusher, but it, that was just going to be the thing that broke me. So I gave that up. Sorry, maybe next year, once we have a normal schedule um i'll probably hit up a few more of those as well uh last best
2: ride steamboat gravel
1: oh, we're gonna be at those well yeah. at, are you going to last best ride still christy
2: i think i think so
1: we'll be we'll be as girls on gravel at uh steamboat for sure and myself and christy will be there because we are <laughs> girls gone
3: gravel um, yeah.
2: did you do steamboat the first year Whitney
3: no I did Colorado classic and I did podium there but nobody would know because I was off social media
1: can you go back and post all your stuff from that time on social media now yeah I can I kind of feel
2: like we need to have a like I know Allison comeback story like
1: we we need like I could just do a
2: throwback every Thursday yeah you should you should (laughs) (laughs) or
1: like your own podium ceremonies that you do (laughs) like on the day of the podium ceremony do yours like this was my podium ceremony from I just like make your own podium in your house <laughs> do it yourself
0: mm-hmm. well I am oh. I'm more
2: thinking about it as joking aside like just kind of that education piece um you know of body versus vehicle and what I don't know there's something there but but Betsy Betsy Welch from VeloNews should certainly do a story on you. So I'm gonna yeah put a little Betsy bug in if her you're her.
1: listening to the podcast.
2: Oh, I've I'm just after.
3: Well, come Betsy's down. gonna come read the fondo in a couple of weeks, so oh
1: well, that's well, the perfect time it. to do a story.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it is.
1: <So. laughs> Any stuff, I mean
2: we were we were discussing on our call today about <clears throat> oh it's frustrating, but about um. The, the comments that we get about Unbound Gravel needs to focus on cover the women's race more. And I'm like, oh my God, we covered the women's race so much. What's, what's not happening is it's not getting picked up in the net. You know, it's, it's, it's like right. there's, there's, there's only so much coverage that we can do after that, it becomes up to the outlets to pick it up and run the stories and do And even working as hard as we are with that, it's still, I mean, it's always getting better, but it always still feels lopsided. And for me, it's just because I'm passionate about it. It's always like, I I just feel like I'm saying it all the time. Like somebody called me a feminazi the other day and I'm like, that's not it at all. I'm just, if somebody's not telling you, you forget. And that's, that's the problem. So, um, you know, Betsy, I think has done a great job over at Velo News, trying to make sure that there's more and more women's voices being heard. Um, and, and it's a, it's a tip of the hat to Velo News too, for, um, you know, bringing somebody like Betsy on to, to be telling those stories, but, um, you know, what your story is an important one that people need to hear it. Um, you know, not just your sponsors, but just people that have had situations like that to understand that this is a it's an issue and, and there's ways to get help. So mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, I'm going to step off. Yeah.
3: And I think like regarding media stuff, I think it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like we can say like, well, the women's stuff doesn't get as many clicks, so we're not going to cover as much, but if they were to cover it at the same rate, would it start to get more clicks yeah. quite possibly? So it's just like, is somebody going to be brave enough to pioneer that?
2: Well, and I loved what Heidi Myers did. We talked about from Rasputitsa. We talked about mm-hmm. the event right after Unbound. I mean, we talked about the, the event right after Unbound Gravel on on that Sunday. Um, and you know, she was asking. She's like, the women's coverage was amazing um, that you guys put out. Um, but and then she did the whole thing. Go follow these women. You know, like yeah, and she and, included me on that. Yeah, and I just I was like, that's a hundred percent. Like, we all have to be we we'll have to be doing that. Like it's, and it's going to come from women having doing it. So. Um, and it's I hard really too, because it's fighting. like
3: so many of the women have arguably just as incredible stories as the men,
2: you know, I, I like. would argue they have better stories because they're, I mean, they're also working full-time jobs and doing all of the things that they're doing. Like
0: mm-hmm.
2: when, <laughs> when we had just Sarah on here um, and she'd done an, an interview with Ted King, you know, Ted was very complimentary and obviously, you know, it's like, I have basically my big job is to ride my bike. And just Sarah's big job is to (laughs) make bars, put on an event, like, like the list Mm -hmm. is just huge. And, um, it, it, I think the women's stories are more interesting because it's really, um, your professional women are your, are also your, your journey person athletes, because they have to be working these full-time jobs and being a pro athlete at the same time, which yeah, is, yeah, we're
3: all magicians really,
2: <laughs> it really is shapeshifters. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's why I like our podcast because we get to tell so many of these stories, but again, it's like, you know, more people need to listen to them too. So.
3: And I think what's really cool about a lot of the professional women is they're not just professional for themselves, but when they are elevated to that position, they, many of them try to raise up other people with them. And that could be in a small way. Like for example, with my event, I choose who I hire for certain things. So am I bringing in, you know, more women, more people of color, am I bringing in some non-binary or other people and elevating them into a position that maybe would normally be reserved for somebody else and mm-hmm. kind of giving them a platform where then the industry like normalizes them being there. Yep. Yeah. That's good stuff.
1: Yeah. And there are lots of guys, there are guys doing that too. But yeah, it's, totally. just, it's a difference. And yeah, I agree. Rasputized they did a good job of just highlighting it wasn't unbound. It was like the media coverage. It was like 40 something articles or 40 something mentions to so 20 something in the cycling mm-hmm. media coverage of the men to women. Yeah. And
3: like, I really, like, I don't think I would have had one single article about me if it wasn't for like Neil Shirley at NV who like, you know, has supported me like through my litigation stuff, whether he realizes that fully or not, but he's the one that put me in the position to even get any coverage by bringing me to the right house at the right time.
2: Yep. Yeah. So there's good Crazy. work happening. It, it is, there is, it's, it's happening. And that's, I think, well, it's part of the reason I like gravel so much. Cause I think we really try hard to pay attention to that. And, and yeah, too.
3: we get it. It's the wild west. We can, we get to make the rules.
1: <laughs> it's true. Uh,
3: well, yeah. if women want to support you by yes. following you or your
1: company, where can they do that? <laughs>
3: Um, I would say the gram is probably the easiest way to find all of my items. <laughs> um, Instagram, I am wit.allison. And if you want to check out Foco Fondo, it's phonetic. So Foco Fondo and then bike sports is bike sports co and you can find everything there.
2: Awesome.
1: i to go find well, bike sports now. <laughs> you gotta say bike sports go (laughs) uh so thank you so much for your time today Whitney we will look forward to seeing you at Steamboat, where we will be doing some live coverage so we'll have to grab you for um an interview people we got feedback that people really liked um hearing from podcast guests when we did our coverage at Unbound they were like oh it was fun to see them on video after hearing them on a podcast so so we'll have to what do they look like
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'll <laughs> we'll have to
1: definitely snag you at Simo um, for some coverage.
2: Well, and, and seriously, great, good luck at VWR. And I'm so stoked to watch how Focal uh, Fondo goes. So,
3: yeah, let me know if you make it out.
2: I will for sure. I'm going to look into that as soon as we get off the call.
3: So. <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs>